Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me uh, explain it to you. First, it's free, and that's the best news of all. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. It's really easy. If I can do it, anybody can. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, too, and that's good news. You don't have to do it yourself, and it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast. No minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to my podcast, a weekly look at various topics from pop culture, sometimes local happenings from our area of the woods, and uh, some music and personal musings of little importance, maybe even to me, but got to talk about something each week and uh let's just we're, we're just going to randomly go through some things the first little rambling for this week garth brooks can't sing let's move on <laughs> i said that on my radio show my brother and i did we talked about some things a few weeks ago and i've still i'm still catching flack from that but garth brooks can't sing he's got some good songs but he can't sing let's move to some other more important topics and I heard an interesting interview on another podcast last week about the coronavirus and, you know, whether we should really be concerned about it here in the good old USA. Now, it remains to be seen, of course, and we're hoping for the best. But keep in mind, let's keep something in mind. Let's, Let's get a little perspective here. So far across the world, even China, just over... 2,200 deaths from the coronavirus, and and that's a lot, and we hate to hit that, and there's over 75,000 cases. Still just a handful, comparatively speaking, in the United States. And there have been 16,000 deaths this year from the flu in the United States. So let's, let's keep things in perspective, but here's something I have decided. This gives me another reason not to go on a cruise ship. A cruise ship is nothing more than a petri dish for disease. And this coronavirus has given us a good example of that. So, I've always had uh, several reasons for not going on a cruise, not the least of which is the Titanic. But this coronavirus thing has given me even more pause to think about it. So, no cruises for me ever. I'd rather just, you know, go somewhere else in my car. I might get on a plane. I do fly from time to time when I have to. I really don't like flying that much because you're cooped up with people who have all kinds of diseases, too. But I'm not going on a cruise ship. And this, you know, the coronavirus outbreak on these cruise ships is a very good reason for me to say no, 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 no. And I know what you're going to say if you've been on a cruise and you've loved it, blah, 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 blah. Just remember Bermuda Triangle, Titanic, coronavirus. All good reasons to not head out on a cruise anytime soon. And for me, never. A little bit of politics. We say we do some politics and only a little bit on the podcast. As I'm recording this on a Sunday, 
The Nevada caucus was held on Saturday, and Bernie has won. And he won fairly easily. Old Joe was number two in Nevada. But now we're going to move on. We've had Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, small states, just a smidgen of delegates. And Bernie's doing well. But I still can't see the Democratic Party giving the nomination to Bernie Sanders. He is a radical left-winger. And I still don't think he can win a national election against Donald Trump. I don't think there's... I think Trump is hoping Bernie gets the nomination. But I just don't... I don't see them giving it to him. But if they do, it's a kiss of death and it's four more years for Trump, in my estimation. We'll see what happens in South Carolina uh, this week. Biden needs to win that. At last time I looked at a poll in South Carolina... Biden had uh, the lead in the polls there. I don't think Bernie, he's too radical for South Carolinians. So I can't imagine him winning South Carolina. Then it's the Super Tuesday, and then we'll see what happens after Super Tuesday. All right, well, Bernie's doing good so far, but I don't see him getting the nomination. We need to turn our attention to a story that has been a big deal here in southeast Missouri, and it has ramifications in farmland well beyond the boot heel. Last weekend, a jury awarded a boot heel peach grower, Bill Bader from Campbell, Missouri, $265 million. Yes, indeed. Bader sued Monsanto and BASF, saying that dicamba drifted onto his peach trees from other farms. So the jury awarded in compensatory and punitive damages $265 million. And we've been hearing from attorneys this week on both sides, and I wanted to just play one cut on the podcast from both sides. One cut from both sides. And first of all is Chris Hahn, who's an attorney for Monsanto, now, they say the damage to the peach trees was not caused by dicamba, but some, some kind of fungus. And there are a lot of lawsuits pending against Monsanto. Han doesn't believe, though, the Bader case sets precedent. No, we don't believe so. Bader Farms' case was a unique case, obviously relating to a peach orchard. And the other cases that are currently pending relate to soybeans. So we don't think that there is any uh, correlation or relationship between the Better Farms case and the other cases. Now, on the other side of this thing is Don Downing. Don's a Kennett, Missouri native. Matter of fact, we could really say Bragg City because his he grew up on 412, uh, not too far from uh, the Bragg City turnoff. And his dad, Vic Downing, for many years was a state representative for Pemiscott County. My dad and grandpa used to do a lot of, do a lot of brickwork for Vic Downing, but I, I digressed. Uh, Don is leading the attorney groups who worked with the Bader trial team, and he says absolutely the case against Monsanto and BASF is a precedent setter. We believe the result is a, just a strong indictment of the defendant's conduct in commercializing a crop system that they knew would harm innocent farmers and others. 
and we believe it's also an invitation to the many thousands of farmers and others out there who've been harmed by the defendant's conduct. Well, both Bayer and BASF are expected to appeal the verdict, and there's no telling when Bader might see the money, but we'll be continuing to follow that story. That's a big deal around here, and as I said a moment ago, well beyond around here. Well, let's talk about the Astros now. I still continue to maintain that this is not that big a story, but has been made so by ESPN and other national media. But the Astros played their first spring game on Saturday. Again, we are recording this on a Sunday morning. So on Saturday, the Astros played the Nationals in their first spring game, and folks had fun with the Astros. They were banging on metal seats, you know, like they banged on trash cans. There were signs, I think, taken away from fans before they entered the stadium. You know, there's Little League teams taking Astros out of their name. To me, all of this is crazy. I still don't think you can take away the trophy from the Astros. Now, my son and I had a long conversation about this a few days ago. He maintains that the Astros should be given the death penalty. Everybody suspended for life. (laughs) The Astros should be sent down to the minors. (laughs) well keep in mind he's a texas ranger fan and he hates the astros anyway now me i've never been an astros fan but i tell you what i i went to mlb.com to their store last week and bought an astros hat can't wait for it to come in plan on taking a rare selfie with it on and making it my you know facebook you know, whatever whatever you call it, cover, photo, whatever you call it. Can't wait for it to come in. I'm going to wear it all over town. Going to wear it to the city council meeting. <laughs> wear, it, wear it wherever I can. And I'm going to be Astro strong. Here's what I think is going to happen. One of two things is going to happen during the season this year. Now, first of all, the Astros are going to be met with crazy, crazy fans on the other side everywhere they go. The 80, what, 81 games they play on the road this year? Man, it's going to be crazy. And there's going to be booze. And and fans are ingenious. They will think of ways to get under the Astros' skin. So the Astros are going to have to really be mentally tough if they're going to do anything this year. One of two things is going to happen, in my opinion, during the season. The Astros are either going to band together, you know, us against the world sort of thing, and – win the division, and go to the World Series again, which could happen because they are a very good team on paper. Or the mental strain of it all is going to be too much, and they're just going to fall apart. I don't think there's going to be any in-between for them this year. We'll wait and see. But I'll be glad when we get a little less Astros crazy. Uh, in the MLB coverage on national level, because that's the only thing they're covering right now. You know, spring training's getting underway. We should be talking about the season ahead and the prospects of various teams in MLB, including our Cardinals, which is the only thing I really care about. We still don't have a cleanup hitter. But beyond that, all we hear about is the Astros. One other baseball story, it's sort of a baseball story, 
The Texas Rangers have a new stadium. Globe Life Field is going to have a retractable roof, and I guess that's a good thing. I used to live down there, and my son and I, actually my whole family, but particularly my son and I went to many games of the Texas Rangers at the ballpark in Arlington, and then later had some other commercial name to it, but we know it as the ballpark in Arlington. It's a great ballpark. It's not that old, but they're going to replace it and are replacing it and are going to be playing this year at Globe Life Field. And the retractable roof, I think, is a good idea. I remember some games at the ballpark where we would start at 715, and, man, it'd be 110 degrees or whatever. And it's tough on the Ranger players and fans and everybody else in the middle of the summer there in Arlington. So I guess a retractable roof is a good idea. Well, the Rangers enlisted the help this past week of about 300 local school kids to break in the Globe Life Field restrooms. They had a super flush event. And they flushed all the stadium toilets at once. You think, well, you know, the scoreboard needs to work and the sound system needs to work. The the field needs to be ready, everything ready for the first game. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't really think about the toilets, but yeah, they got to work too. And there's going to be a lot of people there. So uh, there's going to be a strain, if you will, on the toilets. <laughs> so construction crews and about 300 students from the Arlington Independent School District conducted the super flush uh, last week. As a matter of fact, it was at 10.30 a.m. last Tuesday morning, flushing hundreds of toilets at the 1.8 million square foot facility to make sure everything worked. Officials said the event was successful and the stadium is 94% complete. And construction is scheduled to be finished up in the middle of March. And the Rangers are due to play the first exhibition game at the new venue against the St. Louis Cardinals. March 23rd. That's cool that the Cardinals are the uh, first exhibition game there. And uh, that will cause Ranger fans to show up and boo because they hate the Cardinals too after the 2011 World Series. Okay, it's time for the uh, musical portion of the show, and we're going to turn our attention to Neil Diamond. I have three, maybe four, but certainly three major musical influences in my life. Elvis is number one. Waylon Jennings on the countryside, and we're going to play a song by Waylon one of these days, and we'll tell you how I feel about him. And the other one is Neil Diamond. In the early 70s, I bought... Brand new, hot off the press, Neil Diamond's album, Hot August Night, and it made a big impression on me. And I learned every song, I guess, on that album and played it at one time or another. But I'm going to play you uh, probably my favorite song from Hot August Night and probably, oh, it's certainly my top two or three Neil Diamond songs of all time. And it is Red Red Wine, and not that stupid version, you know, by UB40 or whoever it is, the reggae version of Red Red Wine, which made Neil a lot of money, I'm sure, but I hate it. It is Neil's version, it's his live version, actually, of Red Red Wine from Hot August Night, and the reason I love this, well, I love the song because it's just, I think it's a great song. 
But beyond that, there's a story behind the song. In the 70s, my, uh, I don't know, I was about ninth grade, 10th grade, ninth grade, I guess. My parents divorced and I lived with my dad. And my dad, being single, he had friends who were single too, divorced and whatever. And one of them was Jim Reed. Jim worked at the phone company here in town and great guy and we love Jim and he passed away several years ago and we but he was a good friend of my dad's and he was having a hard time with his divorce to say the least and occasionally uh when those guys that group of guys got together to cuss and discuss their lives their exes and everything else uh Jim well let's just say he would uh, make certain threats against his ex-wife. <laughs> I, and I don't know what they were. Anyway, they, it's, it was all in, you know, you know how this stuff goes. My dad would call me sometimes, and he would say, Son, bring your guitar over here. I'm at Jim's. And I knew what that meant that I was going to go over to Jim's house and I was going to play one song several times. And it was Red, Red Wine. (laughs) And I would play it. And Jim would then say, Son, play it again. And I'd play it again. Son, play it again. And as I said, I played it multiple times before finally Dad said, would say at some point, okay, I think everything's all right. We're... It's all calm here now. You can go home. And I would leave them with their further discussion. So every time I've ever played, and I've played this song a million times, or heard this song, I think of Jim Reed, who I love dearly. And, uh, of course, my dad's relationship with him, they, they were good buddies. So here is Red Red Wine in memory of my dad's good buddy, Jim Reed. Red Red Wine Go to my head Make me forget that I Red, red wine It's up to you All I can do I've done Memories won't go No memories won't go I have sworn That with time Lots of you would leave my I was wrong, and 
did I find Just one thing makes me forget Red, red wine Stay close to me Tearing apart My blue, blue heart. I don't swore That with time Parts of you Would leave my I find just one thing makes me forget red, red wine. Stay close to me. Don't let me. It's tearing apart My blue, blue That's, uh, that is an old drinking song. I can just, uh... To be honest, uh, this week uh, was kind of a slow news week, and even slow in the odd news department, this is the oddest, funniest, I guess, story that I came across this week, and we'll wrap up with this. A police chief in a New Hampshire town took it literally when he was stripped of his duties at a local board meeting. He disrobed to his underwear and walked out into a snowstorm. Richard Lee had been chief in small town Croydon for 20 years, and last week the three-member select board voted to eliminate the one-man department and move to 100% coverage by the New Hampshire State Police. Lee was at the meeting. He was told to turn in his key of his cruiser, his guns, and his uniform immediately. Now note the word immediately. So immediately he went into an office, he shared with town officials and took off his clothes before the board chairman. <laughs> he didn't have spare clothes or a ride home. He walked nearly a mile before his wife picked him up. Lee said that if he had left with his gear, he didn't want to face the possibility of being arrested, so he took it all off. The chairman said, hey, man, you'd, you don't have to do that. But Lee said, those were my orders, and I always carry out orders. So there you go, and I thought of what would happen if that you know that ever happened at the Kennett City Council meeting 
How cool would that be? Well, it would be cool for the guy, I guess, who stripped down. But what about the rest of us? Be a funny story, though. That's it for this week. I'm Steve Patton. This is my podcast. <laughs>